from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's a Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. I'm Michelle with allergies from hell. <laughs> that rhymed. And this is Mark. Hey, everybody. How's tricks? How's tricks? How's tricks? I, I don't know what you're referring to. How are things? Oh, oh things my, are great. It's not that I mean, I don't know. I thought you were making an, 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 an euphemism or something like that. No. Nope. I'm just stuck on Michelle's really low voice. She sounds like James Earl Jones over there. <laughs> mm, yeah, so... The Northwest is currently experiencing, I think, like one of the highest pollen levels, you know, like on Earth or some stupid shit. And um, I was okay for a couple of days and now it's really bad again. But I'm here in spirit. I'm here somewhere. I just don't sound that great. And Perry shared a story earlier about somebody in the office here who, uh, not to take it to a bad place, but somebody in the office here who fell down in their home and didn't breathe for four minutes. Because of allergies. Because of allergies. Yeah, yeah. it's it crazy because I don't normally have them. That's the thing. I don't normally have them at all. It's not like an annual thing that I would expect. That's weird. Um, but apparently they've gotten to the level where those of us that normally don't have them even do. So, mm. yeah. But it's okay. I'm just happy it's not raining anymore and we're actually kind of starting into build season and summer and starting to get shit done. I think that might be part of it too. I was working on the houses a couple of days ago, so. I was You're out. just getting worn out. Mm-hmm. I was out and about and, you know, yeah, worn out would be a really good yeah. statement for where yeah. I'm at right now. <clears throat> little worn out, little overwhelmed. Yep, that's okay, though. Yeah. We're here. We're ready. How are your builds going? Um, The perch is about uh, about 50% done now, so the move went well. It's it's here in Oregon. And the next one I'm starting um, actually this week, so it's called the Tea House. And uh, the next build is actually starting this week. So we've got a two-week framing window for that. And then I'll have two to finish. <laughs> As if one wasn't enough. Try yes. two. Next to each other. <laughs> Twice as nice. Other. Hey, Michelle, tell our listeners about MSN, please. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's great. I appreciate that. So MSN reached out to me. They've had a lot of success with Tiny House articles over the years, over the past couple of years. And they're normally things like, our 10 favorite tiny houses or 10 tiny houses with porches or whatever. And so they've decided to get more into the stories. And I was, I was contacted by a journalist and I'm pretty, pretty excited. She wrote me an email yesterday and said, Hey, your article, they wrote an article about me. It was a 27 pictures um, sort of story on MSN. And they wrote me to tell me that so far they've got 3.6 million hits on the story. So they were pretty excited. Yeah. Canada, UK, the United States. I think that I think so. I think so. Pretty cool. Well, and on my my blog, I think I've gotten I don't know a hundred plus thousand uh, hits on my blog. So people that actually click through the MSN article to hit my blog. Wow. At one point, I was getting about fifty hits a second. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of fun to watch. Um, it's funny how some people say that their thing went viral and they got like ten thousand views or less. Yeah. yeah. And Michelle's getting, well, how many was that? 3.6 million. That's incredible. And now, of course, the viral things too. Now what it'll do is it'll cycle through through the internet, right? Right. Because, you know, you have this big spike at the beginning, but then eventually it hopefully, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm really proud of it. She was, the, the journalist was really thoughtful and, 
and it was a very well written um, my story. So that was fun. So listeners, check cool. the bottom of the show notes of today's show, and you'll see a link to the article. Oh, that'd oh, be great. cool. And you yeah. can add your one puny view to the millions. <laughs> to the millions. Yeah. yeah. And for the listeners, if you if you hear, heard little echoes and laughter in the background, that's actually our guest. <laughs> there she is again. <laughs> like, Still here. Like a little Still wood here. elf. You're the giggle girl. <laughs> the giggle girl. <clears throat> also known as the your girl. Also your girl. known as Carrie Cooper. Carrie, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Okay, that's going to be that side of it. Just play that giggle in a loop. (laughs) (laughs) There's just too much laughter going on already. Hi, Carrie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. So, so Carrie, Looks like, so you're the yurt girl, and that's because you live in this yurt called Gert, which I just loved. Isn't that, isn't that character from um, Gardens of the Galaxy? No, (laughs) Gardens of the Galaxy. Isn't that, is it Gert? Oh, no. What's his name? Woodland. The guy who just grunts his name? Yeah. Come on. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The little wood guy. Um, No, his name is not Gert. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like erg or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but your grandmother's name is Gert. Yes, my grandmother's name was Gertrude. Oh, and I like that name. Uh, she was amazing. She raised my mom and her brother through the Great Depression as a single mom. Uh, and a working mom. So she was off the hook amazing. Hmm. Um, and my yurt <clears throat> makes me feel safe. Hmm. And held, and so did my grandma. So I named it after my grandma. Very nice. I think what's yeah. fascinating, I, I had the opportunity to meet um, or to spend a lot of time actually with Carrie at the uh, North Carolina um, Festival. And what struck me the most was it's handmade. Hmm. Yeah. Aren't they all handmade? Well, no, you probably, I don't know. You could probably buy one from, you know, our yurt guy that we interviewed a few weeks ago. But they come in. I, I guess I'm not. <laughs> What's the distinction of handmade, Carrie, or Michelle? Versus prefabbed. V- versus someone making them and bringing them mm. to you. They're making them by hand too, aren't they? Or Hers no? folds up and fits in the back of a van. Wow. Yeah, and she takes it with her. Oh, so it's kind of <laughs> yep. like a tent. Yeah, so yeah, we were reading your blog, but we'd love to hear your story about how you were introduced to the tiny house movement in general and Want to tell us a little bit about your uh, your inspiration that brought you to a yurt instead of a tiny house? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just before my husband and I were married, um, back in 2002, my friends, <laughs> who are just as wild as I am and crazy and silly, um, called me up and we're starting a yurt business. And they had already built one for themselves, maybe two, I think, at that time, hmm. um, and called me and said, hey, woman, you're getting married. We really adore the guy you're marrying, which was not the case previous to this with mm-hmm. many boyfriends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they said, uh, we love who you've chosen, and Peter is terrific, and we want to give you a yurt for a wedding present. And I said a lot of uh, curse words um, <laughs> right in a row <laughs> and said, told them they were crazy and said, that's too generous. You're off through your rocker. Don't do it. I love you, but that's stupid. It's blah, blah, blah. Too much. So yeah, too much, too much. 
just go look at the list, you know, and like get us a vase. Give me a break. <laughs> All right. A really big one. <laughs> they, yes. they, yeah, exactly. They, of course, did not listen at all, like good friends do. And they went off and made us a yurt, a 16-foot yurt. Um, and I got a phone call maybe, gosh, uh, six to eight weeks later after the first phone call. And it was my friend Carl standing in the Home Depot. And his first question was, um, what color do you want the Hana walls? <laughs> you know, the Han- <laughs> I was like, what? I told you, don't build it. He said, tough shit. Mm-hmm. I'm in Home Depot. What colors? I said, well, first of all, I'm going to kick your ass next time I see you. <laughs> and then I will hand you a bottle of scotch. <laughs> and we will drink it. And I will thank you properly. So um, it went on from there. And I picked blue. And the next time we saw him and my other friend, Mark, uh, the two yurt builders at the time, they had it, you know, they were starting a yurt company. They presented us with the yurt and showed us how to put it up. Um, and I fell madly in love with the yurt as did my husband. And then we just started taking it around to different fun events and things. Um, and then the tiny house movement came along (laughs) and that's been, that's the whole nother section of the story. And that, uh, ties more into my health, which is not good. Mm. Uh, most of the time. We're going to loop back to your health in a, in a little bit, but I have a question about the yeah. yurt. So we were talking about, we were talking with the, the yurt builder who had, like Mich- Michelle had mentioned, and he said that it was pretty difficult to get those things put up, especially with regard to the tension and the cable that actually holds the thing together. Does yours have that kind of a framework in it? Um, it is not hard at all once you do it. A couple times. Yeah, a couple times. Although I guess we say so. It can't be raining and it can't be windy, (laughs) and you need five people to help. But it's not hard at all. (laughs) I was really impressed. I mean, on one hand, I was really impressed with how simple it looked. But on the other hand, I also recognize that she could probably do it in her sleep by now. So we're not going to believe you when you say it's really easy to put up. Yeah. (laughs) No, nobody does. Um, but I would say once you know how to do it yourself and you have one that's built to be portable, which mine is, that's really the place you got to start from. Yeah. Um, a lot of these years that people live in full time are not always built, um, as portable as mine is. Mine was built to be a three season camping yurt. Uh, and you live in it full time. I do not. No, not right now. Right now, my family and I, my husband, son, uh, five pets or six pets. Hang on. <laughs> Which video depends on the day. Just, yeah, laugh. <laughs> laugh until I can tell you why it's five, not six anymore. You brat. Who was that? Mark? Mark? That was, Mark. That was me. Yeah. Well, one of our ferrets died. So oh. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have said my condolences. It's okay, now but. I'm laughing too, oh so that's good. So we have five pets, uh, two adults, one seven-year-old kid. We're in 750-square-foot apartment right now that we're renting mm. because of the school district where it is. Mm-hmm. A good school district. However, though. we're in the year, I'm in the year as much as I possibly can be, and I'm right now looking for a piece of land to put her on permanently. Wow. And I hope it happens soon because we found black mold in our apartment last week. Yeah. Um, well, that could be explaining yeah. some of the health issues. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
That's a lot of them, Michelle, we think now. What are your health issues? Um, I'm chronically ill. I have Epstein-Barr virus, stage four. I also have a chronic Lyme infection from, we think, 1999, but it, that's the farthest we can trace it back so far, the doctors and I. Is that like Lyme? Uh, all Lyme? of this was just discovered a year and a half ago. Is that like Lyme disease from ticks? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. What does that present yeah. as? Um, high fevers, uh, rashes all over my body. Mm. Um, I can't walk because it's in the joints now. Mm. <laughs> so it often will attack my joints uh, mm. if I don't take super great care of myself. That's why I was eating a banana this morning and uh, all that juice, juice that I told you I was drinking for my juicer earlier. I think I told you about. So when the t- when the t- you said that the tiny house movement came and then you had these health problems, what was the... How, how did that, those coincide? Oh, all right. Awesome question. Thank you. Um, yeah, they happen like this. So I'm in bed one night playing on YouTube like you do when you can't sleep because you're worried about stuff. <laughs> because you're and in bed playing I'm, on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm in our apartment going, oh, my God, um, if I keep getting sick like this and falling down and running into things, Uh, and I can't work anymore. How do we survive on just my husband's income? We're in the tri-state area. We're in the richest, one of the richest towns in New Jersey. Um, I don't know how we're going to do this on one income. So I was really terrified one night and I had like 102 fever um, because they hadn't found the medicines that I needed yet. And I'm searching on YouTube and I stumble across Deke Diedrichson. And one of his first videos, um, it might have been the Gypsy Junker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and like he a had thousand built it from all recyclables. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. That guy built that from all recycled stuff? Well, geez, that's crazy. I have minor building skills. I wonder if I can do this. So many, many hours later, I contacted Deke and went to take a workshop to learn more building skills before I was bedridden Hmm. Um, with the last bit of savings that we had. We sent me to one of the workshops. I met Deke. I brought the yurt. I immediately became yurt girl because he couldn't remember my name. (laughs) (laughs) That's because he has ADHD. (laughs) I love Deke so much. He's a doll. He's hysterical. Um, He kept going, you know, the yurt lady, the yurt chick. And then at one point he turned to me and said, I keep calling you your girl. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like in my forties, but call me girl. I love it. It's hysterical. (laughs) That's great. So I start going to, um, Deke's workshops. I learn more and more skills with power tools. Um, I learn how to build, I learn how to frame, I learn how to do everything you need to build a tiny pretty much. Did you go to tiny? Did you do summer camp? I did. I did a summer camp recently. Right. And I, I actually was helping to teach at that one. Yeah. Now I go and help teach sometimes too right. when I'm well enough. Wow. Um, but yeah, it just started from there going to Deke's workshop because uh, I thought if we have to leave this apartment, where are we going? And then maybe I can build it myself because mm. I'm a real go-getter. <laughs> As you would know if you met me in person like Michelle did. Um, 
And it just went from there. And now I'm part of the tiny house community. I take the year around. I talk about reduce, reuse, recycle. I stay in it as much as I can when my health allows. Mm. Um, and that's it. I'm just trying to help people. I don't really care if people are honestly in 3,000 square feet and they just want to go down to two. Or if they're in 400 square feet, want to go down to 90. I just want to help everybody be smaller live smaller, leave a smaller footprint so we can stop poisoning ourselves and the earth without putting too much of a bummer on it. <laughs> That's really where it comes from for me. I'm finding a lot of my illnesses are also affected by my environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like EMFs and smart meters and cell phones and yada, yada, yada. All the stuff that I love to play with. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't like to play with smart meters, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do like to play with cell phones and YouTube. I mean, they're fascinating. <laughs> um, so that's how I got into the tiny house movement. And soon I hope to be building yurts out of recycled goods. Wow. Um, and I'm working with two builders now that are going to help me do that. A husband and wife team here in New Jersey. And they're amazing. So what will the yurt material look like in that? Uh, right now we are talking about buying in bulk. Um, from Salvation Army. You buy in bulk from Salvation Army before they send it overseas to be cut up and sent back to us, sold to us, to fill pillows. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. Um, but you can buy in bulk from Salvation Army. So what we, we want to get a lot of these gypsy um, bedspreads that you see. Oh, right. Right. And then we're going to coat them with a beeswax type yeah. formula and that's where we're at right now we're figuring out a non-toxic formula that we can coat it with that will be fireproof etc cetera, etc cetera. wow so that's where we are with some of the yurt materials because we want to source them from really um, responsible places and we want to make sure they're super non-toxic because i need to be in a non-toxic environment as, or as close as you can get to in the modern world mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. this might be toxic but have you looked at billboard <laughs> material that stuff's yeah, sturdy as heck. It's fabulous, and it makes awesome yurts. Huh. But mm. it does off-gas a little bit. Uh -huh. So isn't, I would have Isn't to there that. hemp fabric, too? Isn't there hemp fabric? Yep. Hemp-based yep, fabric? Yep. Mm. Yep. Is that easy to get, or is that difficult? I don't know, Michelle. That's one that I'll have to check out, the right. hemp fabric. It hadn't even crossed my brain yet. So imagine that we just met in an elevator. And okay. I see that you're this bubbly personality and um, give us your elevator pitch. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself in like 30 seconds. Okay. Hey, Michelle, it's really cool to meet you. Um, I love being in this tiny house movement. I have a yurt. I don't know if you know what a yurt is, but if you can come over and see it one time, you'll love it. It's uh, this round tent thing. <laughs> And it lives really light on the earth. It leaves almost no footprint when you pull it up. And um, I love it because I sleep like an angel when I sleep in it. Mm. So if you ever want to come check out yurts or you have any yurt questions, you should find me because I'm yurt girl. Um, <laughs> Very and good. it's grrl.com. Nice. If you want to find my website, which I just opened. But yeah, if you are interested in yurts at all, Michelle, you should just like look me up and I'll help you with your yurt journey. And so, if you don't dig yurts, then if you're into recyclables, we'll probably have a great conversation. 
So we were talking. <laughs> and that would be like my elevator pitch. There you go. So we were talking in North Carolina also about kind of the history of yurts and how they got their name and sort of the anthropology behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, so- also, I think Jay Schaefer refers to uh, refers to yurt as uh, a um, what do they call it? Sacred geometry. Yeah. Tell Absolutely. us a little bit about the history of yurts and kind of what what brought your attention to them. Okay, so the yurt is a standard Mongo- Mongolian home. Um, and yurt is also uh, our American word for their word, which is ger, which is G-E-R. Huh. Some people say ger, ger but it's ger, hmm. and it means home in Mongolian. And the Mongolian people lived on the steppes, still do. Mm-hmm. Um, of Mongolia, it's really rough terrain. They have to move with the herds, and that's because that's where they get their sus- sustenance from, or did. And so they had to have really portable houses, and that's how they developed the gear. And it's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. There are even some in um, Turkey, and in the, in the there's a whole background and a whole. Uh, root system there for yurts too that are Turkish. Um, so yurts have been here forever and Mongolians have lived in them and loved them. Um, they're round. They have no corners. As soon as you walk into one, it's an amazing feeling. We live in square shapes all the time, right? Mm-hmm. The only time we really come into a circle is a sacred space. In, our, in some of our religions, we have sacred and round rooms that we come into. So yurts for me became super amazing the first time I saw one and a friend was camping in one. And they were doing historical reenactment um, with a group called the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronism. Mm -hmm. I started getting involved with these friends that were doing that and their household or group in that was Mongolian and they all lived in yurts. Wait, wait a second. So w- wait a second, Carrie. The, the household or group as they were in character or their actual household and group? In character. Okay, got it. Yeah, in character in this group called the SCA, and we go and we recreate medieval times <laughs> and try to do their arts and crafts too, the way they were done back then. Really crazy stuff. Yeah. Super fun, super <laughs> wild. Um, so. <laughs> I got in touch. I was working with this group, uh, the Great Dark Horde, they are called, (laughs) H-O-R-D-E. And they are founded on, uh, um, oh gosh, who's the Mongolian leader? Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. There we go. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Genghis Khan. And so their household is founded on that. They all have yurts. I needed a yurt because I was hanging out with them and fell in love with yurts. And then, it just went from there. Nice. I wonder if I wonder if um, the Duranis from um, I'm saying it totally wrong from Game not Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of, Game Thrones, of Thrones. If they're based Daenerys? on the, Daenerys, mm-hmm. yeah, if they're if they're based on the they Mongolian, are they are because they live don't they live in yurts or am I they mistaken? Do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, the whole tribal lineage that they talk about in those books is based on mongolian lineage interesting interesting so yeah it's cool stuff he did his homework for sure apparently yeah when you sleep in Uh here you're do you sleep on the ground sometimes 
sometimes I put a cot up depending on how I'm feeling. I prefer to sleep on the ground because I find it really healing. What do the Mongols do? They have bed boxes. What's that? Um, like a fancy cot oh. that breaks down and it has all little drawers in it for all your stuff underneath. Hmm. And then your mattress goes on top. One of the things that I found fascinating also, not just because I love anthropology in general, but the functionality. Um, as an inventor, I appreciate the fact that every feature has a function mm -hmm. and that yeah. kind of concept. Mm -hmm. And so I was also really impressed with, even though you would think that it would be really um, like sweltering, you know, we're in North Carolina, it was really humid. It was really actually hot the first day we were there, but it wasn't in the yurt. Um, you want to tell us why? Yeah, sure. So um, Michelle's 100% right. Yurts, uh, breathe. yurts breathe. They breathe with the earth. And that sounds wacky. But if you see a yurt in a storm while all the other shelters are blowing by you, and, and I've been in it, uh, Gert has been through two tornadoes and a hurricane. Wow. Um, and she did not move. And we took many refugees in and fed them warm soup that night. Wow. Um, Better than a trailer yeah. in a storm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as far as the geometry goes, when your wind hits your yurt, because it's round, it goes around. Hmm. And then it goes over your roof and pushes it down. So it actually pushes it further into the earth rather than trying to pull it up and out. This is the wind that goes around the outside? Yeah, in a storm. Does wind come under the yurt? No, because the yurt is sitting smack against uh, the ground. Or you build a floor and it's smack against your floor and then your floor is anchored into your earth. So yours doesn't have a floor though, right? Um, no, not unless you want it to be permanent. Right. If it's a traveling yurt like mine or a three season, then I just uh, put it down somewhere and um, lay you know, blankets and out indoor outdoor carpets down and everything. So I don't mean to bore Mark with this next question, but because I'm just really curious about how how you anchor the walls to the ground. Because I imagine it's like a tent, so you have these spikes that shoot off at 45 degree angle from the corner where the roof meets the wall, and that holds the wall tight, no? You do not anchor a yurt to the ground. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, do you remember, you remember in the old days, remember in cool. grandma's old days, remember, you know what a spring pan is? Sorry, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Damn, I suck. So <laughs> a spring pan is basically um, you make a cake and when you make the cake, the sides of the cake are actually, the, it's called a spring pan. It holds the sides together, right? When the cake's all done, you'd undo the spring and then the cake just stands there by itself. Okay. So I equate yurts to kind of like spring. In other words, you take... Um, what looks like all these crisscross pieces and you stretch them out into this circle. There's, there's also those really fascinating things that you kind of oh, do yeah. this with. The balls. Right. Yeah. The listeners can't see what we were just doing, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's like two giant baby gates. When you put it up, is it, it's like it started in the circle and then you kind of pull it and the further you pull it out, the more stable it becomes, kind of like a mm -hmm. spring pan. And then when you put the roof on, you put the cable around the top. So again, it kind of holds it in and out at the same time uh -huh. because the top of the roof pushes it out and then the cable actually pulls it in. So there's no the stake. Tensile, yeah, tensile the tensile strength. strength. Yep. 
There you go. That was a much right. shorter way of explaining all of that, wasn't it? God damn it. Oh, damn. I had yeah. to wake Why up for that. Come like, on. Yo, pencil strength. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We're going to talk well, grown up words. You know. We learned new grown up words today. We got new words now. We know words like tensile. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, speaking of, but speaking of air underneath, though, um, in a storm, of course, you, you had talked about its basic functionality, but um, tell our listeners what you told me about built-in air conditioning. Oh, yeah. So the size of the yurt lift, because it's just canvas. Yeah. So I can control uh, the flow of air in and out of my yurt, not only by lifting the sides of canvas, the canvas, and attaching them onto the side mm. of the crisscross HANA wall. It's called a HANA wall. Um, you know, the baby gates we were talking about, right. but I also have over the center of the yurt is the smoke hole. Okay. So in your roof is a big round hole where your smoke would go out the top. If I was cooking in there, like traditional Mongolian folks did. Mm-hmm. And there's a cover over that as well. So what Michelle is talking about is I can make my own air conditioning or airflow and control where it flows by lifting the yurt walls off the ground a little bit, just just the canvas, okay? So the actual wall is still on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I can also open the top, a little flap over uh, the smoke hole cover to vent the place, even so, in the middle of a storm. So and because the hot air rises and the cold air, right. of course, yeah, is right next to the ground. Exactly. Situation. So you get the, the air comes underneath the canvas. It collects the cold air with Blows it. Blows up. And the hot air pushes actually, it right out. Yeah. Yep. Oh, the yeah. ferret intake up above. Exactly. Right. Very interesting. It was really, yeah. really fascinating. Again, when it, you normally you go camping and mm-hmm. it's 100 degrees outside right. and you yeah. don't want to go in the tent, let right. alone exactly. sleep in there. <laughs> and so she was also talking about the fact that it's round and that just has a really unexpected effect on your perception of the space. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, you end up using every space so much more to the maximum. Because there's no corners to like hide junk in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's great. And the walls are fabulous because they're this crisscross. So you can hang just about everything on them yeah. using bungee cords and, you know, like a piece of pallet wood. And then you have a shelf. Oh. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You know, the first thing I tell you to do, Perry, right? What's that? Go pee in the corner. <laughs> You'd be there for hours, <laughs> hours, and he'd be hours. Lost, he'd be running around. For hours going, he told me to pee in the corner. <laughs> well, that also actually came up when we talked to the yurt builder about how the main structure is actually, in his oh, yeah. case, octagonal. In her case, it's round, mm-hmm. but there are individual sort of panels, you know, mm-hmm. um, right. and, you know, you could build a little restroom or whatever off this little panel, but the main structure is, is still circular. Mm-hmm. So you talked about making things with recycled materials. I, I'm very happy uh, to report that I was the uh, benefactor of your, some of your creations. So oh, tell yeah. Us, yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about um, what else you do to sort of spread the sustainable message. Yeah, so one of the things about your girl that I mentioned before is, re, you know, the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. And I live in a wonderfully rich area where um, the pickings and the garbage day is off the hook. <laughs> um, these wonderful folks like to buy the next new thing. So mm-hmm. the old thing 
goes right out on the curb. So you can find amazing, amazing stuff. What's the most um, amazing thing you found? Recently? Mm-hmm. Um, a dorm refrigerator. You know, just a regular mm. refrigerator size. It p- totally works. Um, I guess whoever came home from college didn't want to clean it. Wow. Yeah. So I said, no way. If this works, I will clean it. And so it worked and I cleaned it. And now I have a perfect little fridge. Um, Yeah. It just goes on and on the list. Sorry, I interrupted Michelle's question. So please go on and answer that one too. Yeah, sure. So uh, I've just always been interested in recycling and reusing and reducing um, just because I come from a background that was very frugal. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was raised through the Great Depression by a single mom. So they knew about frugality. And my mom instilled that in me too. So I always try to re- reuse something before I throw it out. So when I met Michelle, um, I had brought a bunch of my fingerless gloves that I make out of old wool sweaters that we get from Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And we cut them up and make uh, sweaters and hats and these long, great festival coats and all kinds of things. My uh, best friend Mo has a company called Zen Wench. <laughs> and I'm not gonna. I'm not okay. I was gonna say I wasn't gonna go there, but I, my mind just went automatically. <laughs> I know it did. That's why she named it that. It's a good wow. name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she does the recycled name. sweaters, and she taught me how to do these. And so I started making the gloves and the hats, and I bring those and a lot of other goodies wherever I go with the yurt. And um, that's how I make money to go to the next event how many? is I sell all these recycled goods. And, and hopefully they're things people want and need. How many do you sell, generally speaking? It really depends on the event. I mean, last event, I sold like two things. Oh, okay. But it was pouring rain and nobody came. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but at St. Augustine last year, I sold out of everything I brought. Nice. Because we had like, I don't even. 40,000 people showed up when they were expecting 20. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it was great. And that, you know, then means I can go to the next two events, even if they don't make me any money kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So Which I, is I, great. So I need to take a departure here because I'm really fascinated now by Michelle's pirate name. Was it a pirate name? Is that yes, what you call it? What, pirate name. What is it? So for a while, I actually followed the, the pirate convention, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was in. I was uh, part of that culture for a few years. So my pirate name um, christened. Actually, kind of like official. I have a little red sash and everything. Um, Westward Ho. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, what's your group's name? What was your family's group name that you camped with? Um, I camped with. The, um, let me see. The Pirates of the Columbia, or no, there was something something of the Columbia. This was several years ago. So I, I wrote a book, and my book, na- my pen name is actually Colleen West. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to look it up. That's that amazing. I had no yeah. idea you played pirate. Colleen yeah. West. Colleen West. So my my pen name was Colleen West. So when they gave me my pirate name, it was Westward Ho. Oh, I see. <laughs> there you go. That sounds like more like a pirate name than Zen Wench. I thought Zen Wench was just a play on the metaphysical meditational thing. Is it a it pirate is. name? No, she's uh Mo is actually not a pirate. Oh. I am a pirate. Um, <laughs> I sail with the crew of Ravenspittle. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Raven and that is our call if we get lost 
and drunk in a party. That's how and we drunk. Let's call from the bathroom. So, so wait a second. Exactly. So, so you're both a medieval, or you're Mongolian, but you play a Mongolian in a medieval theater where people are beating each other with padded swords and lances and whatnot. Yep. And then you also yeah. hang around with a bunch of pirates. Yes. Uh, my name with the pirate group is Chum. <laughs> How did you get such a nice one? <laughs> That's a nice one. That's wow. a nice one. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you for asking. You're um, welcome. They gave it to me as a joke. My husband's name is Plank. His, no. So for a long time, it was going, my name, because we're getting married, was going to be Wakta. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hell oh, no, that's not fun enough. <laughs> uh, so when they married us on a pirate ship by the captain um, of Ravenspittle, <laughs> and I married Plank, they said <laughs> afterwards at the reception um, that I... They found my name, and I knew it was going to be a name I wouldn't like. <laughs> so I was always? like, okay, what is it? And they said, chum. And I laughed really hard, and they said, wait a minute, you know what it is, right? And I said, yeah, it's what you throw in the water to bring the sharks around. That's what I thought. And they said, well, do you like it? And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so and you that was it. So uh, my husband and I chum. are plank and chum. <laughs> <laughs> and my son is barnacle. That makes sense. Oh, that's classic. (laughs) Right, because we were the first Raven Spiddlers that married, um, like for reals, outside in, you know, we're we're married legally um, and had a child (laughs) together. (laughs) Instead of, you know, common law marriage. Yeah. Right. What I find most fascinating about the pirate culture is that when you go to the events and you participate, that your entire life outside of that culture is completely removed. So you don't talk about money. You don't talk about your job. You don't talk about like normal, like you don't have like normal conversation. Oh, how are you? I went on this vacation or whatever. It's all about the family and the pirate culture and, you know, the events and the competition and the style. And uh, yeah, so Hmm. it was really fun actually for a while. Yeah, it was really fun. It's like a true vacation. From reality, exactly. Like you just yeah. go and do all these things you love. Right. I'd I'd be really curious to hear how those conversations go. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> hey, matey, my my mizzen mast fell off the other day. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't right, know, what got, are you wait, talking wait. about? Well, you have marauding parties, so you have bad pirates and good pirates, yeah. and okay. you have marauding yeah. parties, and they go from camp to camp and they steal their women, right? <laughs> and, and their booze, and their boot, and your mead, right? <laughs> Yeah, and so you talk a lot like about mead. mead. You talk a lot about swords. The women, of course, uh-huh. talk a lot about clothing and and uh, where to find the dancing exactly. And a lot of yeah, oh brewing. We talk a lot about making booze. Yeah, <laughs> making booze. Make a booze. Oh yeah, I how to make a really booze. good uh, flavored rum. All right. Well, yeah. I never thought that on the Tiny House podcast we'd get deep into pirate culture. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the best part of the pirate or the pirate. The pirate podcast. Michelle and I are taking over. Arr. 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 You've been boarded, matey. <laughs> so um so Kara, I have a question. So it with yeah. it would seem that with it would seem generally that with with your your illnesses and your your concerns about income and all that kind of stuff and and being raised 
from a by a, a depression raised mother who was raised yeah. by a depression era grandmother that you would be a pretty serious somber like no bullshit kind of person how is it that you come off as such a wonderfully jubilant jolly roger <laughs> or Jolly Jane as the or Jolly Jane exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I guess I'm lucky really I'm lucky um, I was born uh, goofy and silly I think one of my first nicknames in kindergarten was Little Miss Sunshine mm-hmm. because I was always goofing around and singing and dancing and having a good time mm. So while the last six years have been complete shit as far as health, Mm. um, emotionally and spiritually, they've been amazing because I've met so many people that have been helping me on this journey, on my healing journey, Mm. on the yurt girl journey. Um, I don't know. I think it's, you know, for me, I could be really pissed off about all of this. And yeah. angry as hell. Mm-hmm. But I can't live like that. Awesome. I'm a naturally buoyant person. <laughs> so I need to stay there. And that's what heals me too, is my natural buoyance. It just brings more people into my life that are going to help me out. It uh, is building your girl into this wonderful group of folks that are helping each other out with their own projects and yeah, I don't know. I just mostly I think I, I'm just lucky and I continue to look at it that way. I think your family's lucky too. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Oh, damn, you're going to make me cry. Pirates, don't cry. I don't know who said it, but someone said that life is not actually what happens to you, but life is how you react to what happens to you. And yep. so rather than, you know, rather than approaching it from a position of anger or fear, if you approach it from a position of optimism and joy, that just in itself has a, has a healing power to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Michelle, the more people I'm fine, like the more I put that out there, that's what's being drawn to me too. So I'm meeting more fun, exciting people who are giving me greater and greater ideas about how your girl should go forward. That's and so, it's awesome. That's so. I awesome. love it. It's so awesome that you're like a. You're like a. Do, do you do you tell people about your your illness when you meet them, or I presume not you don't. immediately, right? Right. Because I want them to know me before they know the illness. Yeah, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. You're just like a. You're like a a walking testimony to w- overcoming adversity through positive spirituality or presence or whatever. It's just awesome. I hope so. Uh, I hope so. That's my, I've made that my mission now. Wow. So yeah, whatever I have left, whether it's next week or another 40 years, I'm here to spread a positive light and to help us take care of each other and this gorgeous world we've been given. So, you know. Can I hug you? I know. Yes. Can I hug <laughs> next you time from I all see you, here? MJ. Next time I see you, babe. Hopefully sooner than later. Gosh, I hope so. We love you. Yeah. Thank you. I love your podcast. (laughs) I'm so honored to be asked. I told MJ that at the beginning. I was like, really? Oh my gosh, yes, please. (laughs) 
Well, we want to we want to talk to people who inspire others. We want to talk to people that have a positive message and people that are passionate and have convictions and and help others. And I thought I thought that you just fit that uh, fit that model just perfectly. So thanks for being well, on the show, Carrie. This was awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm really honored. Yeah, I really am. We are too. And um, I guess that's a wrap. I'll just say. Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening to yet another show, the Tiny House Podcast, and we'll be around next week. See ya. See you guys. Hopefully I won't be have good allergies. to each other. You hopefully won't watch. <laughs> have allergies no. then. Uh, be good to everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>